The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Let me ask you, what have you done this week to avoid death? I know that's a, that's a weird, weird question, but when you think about it, think about the things that you've done. Uh, maybe you got some exercise. Maybe, maybe you, did a, you did a workout. Well, why do we do those things? We want to be healthy. Why do we want to be healthy? Well, we want to, we want to, we, we want to live longer, right? Or we take our vitamins. Or, or maybe we're on a special diet of some kind, either one prescribed by our doctors or one that we've, we've learned to be uh, 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 preferred over whatever our former diet was. Maybe we were eating bacon and ice cream and now we're actually eating fruits and vegetables. I don't know. Or maybe you've been taking your medication, either prescribed by a doctor or, or special medication uh, from, from another physician. Uh, maybe you went to the doctor. Uh, or maybe to go a little weird here, you didn't play in traffic. Uh, uh, or maybe, parents, you baby-proofed the house because we want to make sure that our kids are safe. So we put the little plugs in the sockets and, and put the things on the cupboard doors so that no one can open the doors, let alone the babies. Or maybe you've jumped into the movement that was growing well before COVID and now has sort of hit light speed, this whole simplicity declutter thing. What, if you're holding on to something and it doesn't give you joy, get rid of it, all those things. And so you joined in the, the taking of donations to thrift stores or, or trying to have some sort of, of sale because you discovered that there were all these things in your house that were holdovers that were not giving you life finding those things to avoid death. Well, now, with COVID, we've moved from the amateur ranks up to the pros, right? We wear masks or face shields or both. We, we try to stay at least six feet away from each other. We use hand sanitizer more than we ever have before. Maybe we've become a hermit. Maybe we've sat in isolation since, since March. Maybe even worse, we've gotten to the point where everywhere we go, we eye another child of God with, a, with some suspicion. Are they carrying a virus that is going to kill me? The bottom line is, church, we fear death. We fear death. And our lives are consumed 
with denying its existence because we realize it's an enemy that we cannot vanquish ourselves. It, it comes to us. We can do what everything that we possibly can in our power to make our, our lives better from day to day. And then in the end, we still find ourselves like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, where he was reliving the same day over and over again. And he found this old homeless man that he wanted to take care of who, who dies. And, and he, every single time he relives this day, he tries everything he can to keep the man alive. And yet death still comes. Well, I can think of the debates that are happening now with the virus. Many people asking the question, what is life? Is it just waking up in the morning? Is it just surviving? Or is there something more? Or I think of business owners, those of you who own your own business thinking of the shutdowns, thinking of, of, of the, the change in the way that we've been doing business, how it's almost been attacked, attacking what we term as what? Our livelihood, the things that we use to feed our families, to take care of us, to, to bring life. Well, the good news this morning, church, is that Christ is where all our fears go to die. Even in the midst of our sin, of our lacking in trust of God, he stands as the living one through whom we live and move and have our being. Or even more so, as I quote the Gospel of John, he says to us, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Well, Christ pulls no punches here with the disciples. They're walking to Caesarea Philippi. And he asks them point blank, what do people say about me? What are they saying about me? Because who Jesus is matters. What we, what we think of Jesus matters. And, and some answers are given, and basically they're just a bunch of dead prophets. People who spoke the word of God, and for most of them, it didn't go well for them after doing that. But they're dead. You could find their graves. But then he turns it around, and he asks the question, what about you? What do you think of me? What do you have to say about me? And basically saying, I don't care about what your parents think. I don't care about your church attendance. I don't care about whether you were confirmed or not. What matters is who I am to you, Jesus says. And leave it to Peter, the one who always got things right and always got things wrong, and the perfect example of the sinner in all of us. He makes the confession, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the one coming with salvation against our enemies, and that includes death. Bringing us freedom, a, a, a savior, one to save us from ourselves, save us from the, the sin of our fear, where we enter into the first commandment, we shall have no other gods, and Luther tells us we are to fear, love, and trust God above all things, and we fail at that every day. We fail to remember as Daniel tells us in Daniel 5, that he holds our very breath of life in the palms of his hands. Peter takes it a step further and says, you are the son of the living God. He doesn't just say the son of God, he says the son of the living God. This confession making clear that God is described as alive. Not only that, he's not dead, he's not absent, but it also means that he is the God of the living. 
Jesus makes this clear in Matthew 22, where he's arguing with the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were this religious party. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in life out of death. And Christ says, you don't know the scriptures. And he relates to them how God calls himself, I am the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And he talks about it in the present tense. And he says, God is the God of the living. And so he becomes yours in that. And you become his. And therefore, regardless of what hits you, you are alive in him. That's what we take from our baptism. Where our baptism, we are buried with Christ in our baptism and raised to new life in him. We, we are taken from ourselves, from our parents, and we're put into God's will. We're put under his name. We are made his children. And God is God only of the living. That means you. And this is given to us, this confession. It's not generated by us. It's not something that we think up. Jesus says here, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Why? Because flesh decays. Blood dries up. But he says, My Father in heaven gave this to you. This confession given to us by God. And then we have verse 18. You are Peter. He looks to Peter and says, You're a rock. But not a good rock. You're a little pebble. You're a little chip off the old block. But you're not a foundation. You're not something solid. You're something that might get into someone's shoe and hurt. Or might get in the way and make you stumble. But it is also something that you can hold on to to remind you that you have a rock somewhere else. But how often it is that we think of ourselves as the rock, as the foundation, and then we have ill-placed trust, even, either in ourselves or in, in something else, in someone else, even in pastors. But it doesn't matter, because Christ comes with our faith and without our faith. And he can't be held back, because he is the rock, this rock that we are built upon this Christ, this Son of the living God, becoming the cornerstone, the foundation. He calls Peter Petros, but then he says on this Petra, this, this solid foundation, I will build my church, not on you, not on your faith, but on a word of who Christ is for you, a promise of this liberator of your fears, of the giver of life. The one who, it says here, storms the gates of Hades. That would be the realm of the dead. Many of our translations, they fail us because they, they translate that word as hell. No, Hades was the place of the dead. The place that swallowed up the dead. It's the place, it's the root of where all our sin lives. Where it lies there. Where we don't trust God to be the living God for us where we don't rest in his promise, rest in his word, go to his word, have our Sabbath there. And then we often destroy one another in worries that we will lose our life. We often take things that are not ours because we don't think that the daily bread God gives to us is enough for our life for that day. And then we also look at someone else's life, whatever it may look like, and think we don't have life, but they do. I want that, not realizing the gift God has given. But then Christ comes to you as this one who takes all of that 
all those fears, all that sin, all that death, and he hides it in him. He holds on to it. And then the cross becomes this place that proves already that what he holds on to, nothing can vanquish him. And the good news is, church, is that we have the church. We have pastors like myself, like Pastor Carl. But then you also have yourselves that have been given a promise, been given a gift, been given a, a, a work to do, but it's, it's not a work as you would think it would be a work because it involves these keys, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. During the COVID season, all, these, all this stuff has been stripped away, all these things, and, and we're getting down to the root of realizing of what life can or, or should be. Well, in the church, the church hasn't failed. The word is proclaimed. The gospel is preached. Prayers are lifted up. Worship is done. The table is prepared. It has not left you. And no matter way it, what way it has come to you. But even more so, we have these keys. And let me give them to you now. There's one key to bind you. To bind you to Christ. That you stay there. That you are there all the time. Your fears come to you and Christ says, I've got this. I've got you. That all your fears and your failures might be relieved because he carries them along with you. But then there's this other key to free you. To loose you. That you might be free in Christ to live without the fear of death to assuage you. Let me read to you from Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, this beautiful promise that I gift to you as these keys. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And that I ask that it would be so in you today. And with that, we say thanks be to God. Amen.